power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Or so the saying goes. And in this week's episode of the Scary Spirits podcast, The Witchfinder General, Vincent Price absolutely embodies this corruption. Drunk with power, he does what he pleases. If you were given great power, would you resist the pool of corruption? Perhaps it would help if you remembered another thoughtful quote. Pigs get fed, and hogs get slaughtered. The Witchfinder General certainly should have heeded that advice. Cheers! Welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast. Please be advised that the presenters may use adult language and or discuss adult situations. This podcast is not intended for younger listeners or those that may be easily offended. So, if you're ready, let's go. Hi, I'm Greg. Hey, I'm Karen. And welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast. The podcast combines the two very different but highly compatible worlds of scary films and alcoholic spirits. What could possibly go wrong? Indeed. How are you, Karen? Fantastic. How are you, Greg? I'm good. Good. That's good. All right, Karen. I believe this week's film was your choice, was it? Was it not? It was. And what film have you chosen for us this week? I have chosen the 1968 British film, Witchfinder General. Witchfinder General. You mean the Conqueror Worm, Karen? Yes. <laughs> Actually, I watched it on Amazon. I know I'm jumping up ahead oh, a little bit, you. but I have a subscription to something, a trial subscription, because I didn't want ads and it was included. So yeah. I actually watched it. Okay. That the British film. Yeah. It's not a hammer film, is it? No, but it sure looks like one, doesn't it? It does. But and we'll I get to that. it. Yes. <laughs> Witchfinder General, or as it's known here on this side of the pond, The Conqueror Worm from 1968. Which is an Edgar Allan Poe poem. Okay. And I, I think they're trying to tie it to that. But it's not a story. It's a poem about death and how you really don't have any control over it. It's yeah. not, doesn't really seem to correlate, but I think they just picked it because it was a Poe title. It's exactly why they picked it. Yes. Because they With Vincent just, Price, you know? <laughs> yeah. They were, yeah. They were trying to like piggyback off of like the last movie that was released that was a Poe film or something. I don't know. I read something about oh, earlier. Yeah. But it's not a flattering title. They should have yeah, left they it. Had a, they had an earlier series of Edgar Allan Poe adaptions, and they were trying to piggyback off of that. I mean, uh, American International Pictures, who distributed it in the United States. So, whatever. Well, okay. Maybe people back then were more familiar with Poe. It seemed like an odd title. Well, so is Witchfinder General, for that matter. But whatever. Not really. And it is based on a novel, right? Which I read is a fictitious account of a true 
story. There, yeah, actually, I was there horrified was, to find out a, that these people were real. Yeah, there was a um, Matthew Hopkins. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Yeah. We're getting history lessons today. Woot, woot. Don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Stay. And there went our listener. I know. <laughs> well, some people like history, so... Right, Karen, why did you choose this film? Any reason? Because Dr. Craig talked so glowingly about it. That's exactly the reason. <laughs> if you listen to, what did we call it? Horror? Horror Academy. So, Horror Academy. 101 this was or something like that. highly recommended. And so I wanted to see By it. By Dr. Craig. Fisher, yes. Fisher from Appalachian State. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be our Wicked Ramblings episode five. Definitely informative. But yeah, I going totally on his recommendation here. Okay. Do you have a cocktail, Karen? I do. Go on. It's a very exciting <laughs> cocktail. It's fancy. <laughs> it's called the Witch's Brew Cocktail, which really doesn't fit because I thought it would be more about witches and it's well, not it particularly. Sort of. Kill a bunch of them. Witches with quotation oh. marks around them. That's, I was thinking it was something different. It's fine. It's still a tasty cocktail. <laughs> You're going to need one ounce of vodka, half an ounce of lime juice, two ounces of raspberry liqueur, two ounces of Sprite, one teaspoon of silver cake shimmer, and one drop of purple food coloring. Tell them the special food coloring you got, Greg. I got special neon purple food coloring. Because Greg is special. So, I've, so now I have a neon green, purple, yellow, and blue or something like that. Oh, you had know. to buy a set? Yeah. Oh. It was fine. Okay. Greg's going to be baking for the holidays. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> okay. In a large bar shaker, add your liquor. I wonder if it is fluorescent and it glows in black light. That would be cool. It's neon. Yeah, do you have you have a black light? I'm sure. Yes, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we can test it. Go on. Uh, you want to know how to make it? Finish your cocktail. Yep. In a large bar shaker, add your liquors, silver shimmer, and lime juice. And I think I put my food coloring in there too. Did you? I did. Okay. Shake to combine, and pour your mixture into a glass. Top with your sprite. That's it. Sprat. We're a 7-Up family. It is. I did use 7-Up. I use Sprat. I know. I knew you would. It's a very cool drink. It's very eye-catching. When If you spin the ice cubes that shimmers, it's. I like it. And it's tasty, too. And we had all the ingredients. Well, except for the shimmer. Should we give our listener who might still be listening <laughs> a chance to make the drink? Yes, our history-loving listener. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. And we're back. Yes, we are. Hi, right, Karen. Might you have a brief synopsis for us? I do. Do you want to hear a story? Yes. Tell me a story, Karen. Witchfinder General, a disturbing tale of evil set during the English Civil War. 
when Matthew Hopkins is appointed Witchfinder General by the Puritans under Cromwell, he is empowered to travel the countryside with his henchmen and collect a fee for each witch from whom he extracts a confession, a policy which is exploited to the full. Fairly accurate. Yeah, it's all right. He was never appointed, though. No, he was not. He kind of appointed himself at one point. He did. All right, Karen, are we ready to get into it? I am. Are you? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's that enthusiasm we've all grown to love. All right, Karen. So you've already said you watched this on Amazon Prime. I did. Because I had an extra subscription to something. It's not Screamers, but it's something, some horror film. And it's not very expensive, like $3.99 a month. So I figured, well, that's the cost of a movie anyway, usually. So I watched it on YouTube's, Karen. With or without ads? Without. It was fine. Excellent. There were probably some parts that were pretty dark, though. They were dark. Yeah. So when you watched it, did you have any warnings or anything like that? Because I did not. Um, I didn't notice, to be honest. <laughs> it might have said 14 plus, but I'm not sure. All right. Witchfinder General, 1968. Or The Conqueror Worm. Film opens and we see sheep, Karen. Sheep. Lots of sheep. And they're building some gallows. It's just one, right? They're yep. erecting one. Yep. Is it a scaffold or a gallow? What's it called? I call it a gallow. Okay. Then we see him dragging a witch to the gallows, question mark, I wrote. We see it's them what, dragging uh, a woman. Woman, yeah. I assume it's a witch, though. I don't. It's Since, just a woman. <laughs> well, I, we know what the film's about, Karen, don't we, before we watch it? <laughs> I can see we're going to have lots of problems during this one. It's just a woman who it's has been a woman been accused. who has confessed to being a witch. Yes. In league with Satan, Karen. Your favorite kind. <laughs> and there's a a man of the cloth. I don't know what his title is, but. A preacher is what I said. Whatever. Yeah. He's carrying and reciting from a Bible. And I sounds like the book of Revelations to me, Karen. Is that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Karen. I wasn't listening. I just said preacher me. do. <laughs> preacher dude walking along. He's talking about the beast and. All this, it sounds like the book of Revelations to me. Okay. So they bring her up to the gallows and they hang her. She go. Then we have credits, Karen. We do see the, there's a couple of men on horses in the distance and he nods and then they push out the stool and hang her. So yes. someone off in the distance is saying, Can't really ahead. tell who it is though. No, but it's two men on horses. Yeah. If it was Vincent Price, we would know it. Can't tell us Vincent Price from that far away. No, but it's the white horse that he rides. Could be an it's extra him. Karen. Maybe, well, maybe, true. It's maybe his he character. Didn't show up for this part, and he's all he's all in for the close-ups. But anyway, credits, and the title screen says Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder General. Even though I was watching watching the Conqueror Worm, Karen, that's what I said. <laughs> so whatever. Then we have credits. During the credits, they list a couple guest stars. I don't. Why do they do that in movies, Karen? I don't understand that. I don't know. Special guest star. I think it was the guy who plays Cromwell, and you know, a couple guys were only on screen for a very short time. They're special guest stars, Karen. Well, maybe they're well known. I guess I don't know. 
Then there's a narrator, Karen. Well, it is directed by Michael Reeves. It is. And the screenplay is by him too, correct? Correct. Which is one of the reasons that Dr. Fisher, Dr. Craig, liked it so much. For some reason, he likes Michael Reeves. This was his final film before he OD'd. So there's a narrator, and we learn it's 1645 during the English Civil War. Okay, well, here we go. Here's where we lose our listener. You ready? Go on. Try to stay awake. Between 1642 and 1646, England was torn apart by a bloody civil war. On the one hand stood the supporters of King Charles I, the royalists. On the other stood the supporters of the rights and privileges of parliament, the parliamentarians. Hmm. The royalists. So this is back when like the king was really the head of the, wasn't a figure. This is right the edge because that's what they're fighting over. Okay. Um, And this is obviously very brief, but basically the royalists wanted to be ruled by absolute monarchy and the divine right of kings. They believed in that. The parliamentarians wanted to give parliament control over executive administrations. And parliament is elected, correct? By the people? Well, I don't know back then. Probably. Mm. You might want to check that. Well, I mean, probably wasn't very organized. It, a lot of times it's the it, richest person in the area. Yeah. But they still, might have been able to name a successor or something if they were like done. I'm saying I'm done with this shit. <laughs> but it's a group of people versus one divine being. So that's kind of what they were fighting over. <laughs> okay. And again, extremely brief. I'm sure a lot of people know a lot more about it. So next we see, I'm just calling them Cromwell supporters who are the parliamentarian people or whatever you're talking about, right? Yes. (laughs) The narrator does say the structure of law and order has collapsed. And Matthew Hopkins Mm. has taken advantage of the situation and decided to prey on the local superstitions and on his whim, he finds and kills witches, torturing and killing to illuminate the witchcraft with full blessing of the law. Well, he does it because he gets paid for every confession he gets. Right. That's the full blessing of the law. But yes, there's a group of parliamentarians riding along. And we see royalist snipers in the ferns, Karen. Yes. With their flintlocks. Everybody's got a flintlock, Karen. That's what I thought. Not really accurate. Just so you know. Why is that? Ooh, well, is there more history you're going to There is throw more down? history. Do so, tell. Flintlocks, well, I'll just say, they were kind of expensive. <laughs> right to at the time this film takes place only one in six firearms used by the british royal army was a flintlock the rest were matchlocks so the mo- vast majority of were matchlocks which kind of works just like it sounds karen there's you have to light it and there's a fuse that burns and you got to hold still and aim and hold your aim until the thing burns down then it fires so you don't pull a trigger no, not so much. And people would probably see that. <laughs> yes, they would. It wasn't really accurate in the okay. little research I did about flintlocks. But in this film, everybody's got a flintlock. Royal snipers shoot one of the Cromwell's men, right? One of the parliamentarians, yeah. yes. And the rest go out to look for him, and they leave one man to watch the horses. And that's Trooper Marshall, Karen. That's Richard. Yeah, Marshall. I call him Marshall the whole time. 
well, crap, because I call him Richard. <laughs> Man, it got to be confusing because you had Marshall and Matthew and all this other stuff. So whatever. So he stands there and watches the horses and all around him are, are screams and gunshots and whatnot. And we don't know what's going on. And Yeah, we don't know who's being shot, who's screaming. We don't know any of that. Yeah, but the men come back, his men, Cromwell's men, and apparently they've all survived, Karen. But we do see a royalist crawling through the ferns again. and An injured one. Yep. He gets up to shoot the captain or whatever he is, and Marshall shoots him right in the head. We should mention at this point, which harkens a little bit back to the Hammer films, this is terrible blood. It's worse blood than Hammer. It say. is. It's strawberry cream or something. It's It's not good. It's I've like heard a other bright com- red. It's um, wing sauce, as some people call it. <laughs> it's not scarlet, right? It's red. It's bright red. It's well, like- in some shots, it's it's pink, and in other shots, it's <laughs> too red, and it's just it's not it's not good. So next, we see uh, Marshall, Trooper Marshall, and apparently he's on leave. He's going to meet with his girlfriend. I wrote father, but then we learn it's the uncle. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was her father, too. I'm going to say right now, this this dude is handsome. He's a good-looking dude. He looks a little like Mark Hamill from the first Star Wars. That's what I kept thinking of with that kind of feathery hair and blonde. And but He's a handsome guy. Ian Ogilvy. Yeah, he's all right. But he wants to marry this guy who... His... He doesn't want to marry a guy. No. <laughs> He's coming in to talk to, they obviously know each other. He knocks on the door. It's a priest. The guy op- yeah, he opens the door. He welcomes him warmly. Um, they chat for a little bit about politics. Then they drop it. And then Richard lets the priest know that he would like to marry his daughter. Or his niece. Yes. But at the time, we didn't know that. Yeah. But then in a in a scene later... Richard tells Sarah her uncle has agreed to their marriage. So they're going to get married. Everybody is happy. Kissy face. Yeah. And uncle wants him to take Sarah away from the town as soon as possible because shit's going down in the town, Karen. Yeah. Rumblings. We don't really know about what he doesn't say anything, which I don't know why. Um, No, but Sarah does tell Richard that they are outcasts in their own village. So for which some reason, weird. the townspeople have turned against the priest. Yeah, which is weird because he's the it priest. Weird. Sarah comes in, they embrace. And like I said, Sarah tells Richard or Marshall that they're outcasts in their own town. And then uncle tells Sarah that she needs to get to bed early. She needs eight hours of, you know, bedtime, you know. Marshall agrees. And <laughs> yeah, the uncle says to Richard, don't keep her up too late. She needs eight hours to be a good wife and mother or something. They do talk about a wedding date. Like you said, the uncle wants him to do it as soon as possible and get her out of the village. But then he excuses himself and says the stuff about getting eight hours to be a good wife and (laughs) says, don't stay up too late. So he just leaves. As a priest, I thought that was odd. Yeah. Next we see Marshall and Sarah in bed, Karen. They do go to bed early. (laughs) And they entertain themselves. Yeah. And we, we see some side boob. That's about it, Karen. No, there was full boob. I didn't see full boob. I saw the whole thing. Okay, one, I, only I, one, though. I called it side, but 
Okay, I'll give it one. We'll give it one. Next, we see Vincent Price, and who we learn is John Stern. And we learn that he gets paid silver for every confession he gets. And they're headed to a town where a priest is a Satan worshiper, Karen. Dun, dun, dun. Who could that be? Who could it be? Next, we cut to Trooper Marshall leaving. And he meets up with a group of men on the edge of town, and they say they are waiting for Matthew Hopkins. Yeah, it's dark. In the dark. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if he must have left late or he's traveled a long distance. I didn't know which. Yeah. Because they said the town, when they talk to someone in a, I can't remember, I think it's Hopkins, they say the town's only three miles away. So he must have left late. I mean, you know, you're going to stay with your girlfriend as long yeah, as possible. Yeah, I think it's Marshall tells him it's only three miles away because next oh. he meets up with Hopkins. Marshall says, hey, I just met some guys waiting for you. And Hopkins says, yeah, those are the men who have called him there. And he represents himself as a lawyer. Yes. That's what Hopkins says he is. Yeah. And he's been called there because of a man who may not seem what he appears to be. And they write off and I said, Vincent Price holds his hat on a lot. I don't know if you noticed that, but it was distracting to me. Whenever he's on the horse, he's holding his hat. Did not notice. It's silly. It's just something I noticed. So next we see the townsfolk telling Hopkins about the priest. And they all are like, I saw him doing satanic symbols. And I heard him talking to Lucifer or whatever. You know, they're all, they're all. Making shit dicks. (laughs) (laughs) And we kind of learn it's figure out it's Sarah's uncle, right? That they're talking about. They go to the house and we do um, see that Sarah's outside walking by the creek. Yeah. But she's not in there when they go into the house. And it's daylight now. So it must be either he left really early, maybe early in the morning. I don't know. But it's daylight now when he arrived, when they arrive. And they're going to question the priest and they want a confession. And Sarah is outside. And they look for the mark of the devil on the priest, Karen, by poking him with what I get looked like an ice pick to me. <laughs> Stabbing yeah. him repeatedly with an ice pick. Okay, so so yeah, they're looking for the mark of the devil. First, the priest tries to say, leave my house. But of course they don't. Yeah, He thinks he still has some semblance of power, but he doesn't. And then they start slapping him a little bit and saying, just confess, confess, which, of course, he won't. And then they say, "Okay, let's do it the hard way. And they say, look for the devil's marks on him. And they say that if the devil has marked the person, when you stab that place in the body, it doesn't hurt or they don't cry out because the devil is protecting them. So that's known as pricking. There's more history, people. Go get a drink. During the height of the witch trials of the 16th and 17th century, common belief held that a witch could be discovered through a process of pricking their skin with needles, pins, and dagger-like instruments for drawing blood. The practice derived from the belief that all witches bore a witch's mark that would not feel pain or bleed when pricked. The mark alone was not enough to convict a person, but it did add evidence. So it was common practice throughout Europe and professional witch finders earned a good living from unmasking witches. So they had hollow wooden handles and retractable points. People have found it to this day. And they 
are trick knives. So they look like they're going full hilt into the person, but they're actually retracting in. So it's sleight of hand. And uh, they would accuse the person. See, he didn't cry out, but it was almost like a magic trick. Mm-hmm. It's known as pricking. That's yep. what they were doing. But they looked like they were doing it with a screwdriver. So I, I look like an ice pick to me. Yes. Okay. An ice pick's a better description. You're right. And while they're doing this, Hopkins goes to the window and looks outside and he sees the lovely Sarah out in the distance talking to someone and she runs away. So, or actually runs towards the house. I thought she was running away. That's what I would do. I would run the fuck away, Karen. But no, she runs towards the house. Well, it's her uncle. So Sarah runs into Hopkins. Wait a minute. All relatives of Greg Wallace, pay attention. (laughs) If you're in trouble, he's running away. Okay, proceed. Sarah runs into Hopkins and she lies to him and says that she is not his niece. She is a servant girl. Because he says if you're his niece, you could be corrupted by Satan too. Mm-hmm. So she lies. You're right. And says, no, when his house, she was taken in by them, by the priest and his housekeeper. And when the housekeeper died, she came in and started serving him. That's became what she a servant. says. Yes. And Sarah makes a deal with Matthew. He used to come to her room that night at eight, and she will testify to him, Karen. Present her evidence is what I have. Yes. If he is released. If her uncle is released, yes. Yes. So Hopkins goes in and says, hey, take the priest to jail. They will continue the interrogation tomorrow, Karen, after Sarah presents her evidence. Yes. Next, we cut to a pub, and the man we learn is John Stern is telling the stories. He's getting shit-faced. Hopkins comes to question Sarah. Sarah asks that the priest be kept in a cell and not executed, and she persuades him, Karen. <laughs> well, he says he's come there to find the truth as he unbuttons her blouse. Uh, she brings up the priest, says he's been good to her. Matthew says he must confess and die, and they will see that that happens. He asks why she protects a witch from justice. She begs him to let him live in the prison cell. She's being a good niece, Greg. Yes. Back at the pub next morning. They're still there, but they're all passed out. Hopkins enters and tells Stern to leave the priest in the cell. And Stern's ready to start questioning some of the women in the town. There's got to be some more witches around here. Yeah, he's a sociopath or a psychopath. They're all a little off. (laughs) After he goes out and pukes. Yes, he does. He's cut to the jail and the priest. And he's completely fine. He pukes and goes, okay, I'm ready to go. So cut to the jail. Priest is told he is to stay there and be interrogated no farther. But he looks like crap. He's bleeding and chained to a wall. I guess that's better than, yeah, I I guess it's better than dead, but still the rats are in there. It's back to the pub. Stern follows Hopkins. Well, because Hopkins tells Stern again, Hopkins tells Stern, we're not going to interrogate the priest anymore. Leave it be. And this ruffles Stern's feathers. This is his fun. He wants to do this. So he says, where are you going? You've been leaving a lot. So when he leaves, Stern follows him. Uh, here I wrote, Stern is a peeper, Karen. Yes, we have a peeper. But first we see, you didn't, the window. 
You didn't mention Sarah in her flimsy nightgown walking up the stairs with a candle? Thought you might like that. I didn't notice. Maybe it wasn't in yours. I remember him walking up the stairs, but... Yeah, she was in her white nightgown, as they all wear, the, you know. So Stern finds a ladder, conveniently placed against the wall, puts it to the right oh, or right. left of the window. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's against the wall, but he puts it against the wall. And it was right there. there. Climbs up and peeps. But he has to lean way over. Why didn't he just... I guess because maybe they would have saw him if he did that. Mm. Anyway, yeah, he's a peeper. You're right. So he knows what's going on. Next, we see Stern torturing a woman in the jail. He's beating her to get her confessed because they need some witches. They need some cash dollars. Asking for a confession. Hopkins arrives and says that he has been called to another village and he leaves Stern in charge. Stern specifically asks him, should I continue your work? And he says yes. But he tells him to leave the priest be. But his work also includes visits to Sarah. That's what he's implying. I guess. I don't know. I didn't catch that. But next we see Sarah feeding the ducks. Stern arrives. And he attacks Sarah as one of the townsmen. One of the townspeople just watches. And laughs. <laughs> and he rapes her. Well, that's what we're led to believe, yes. So next um, we see Hopkins. He arrives back at the village, right? Yeah, and some. I think it's the village. The same guy tells that him, watched, meets him just, on the road and tells him that what happened. Yes, that what Stern did. Yeah, and Hopkins tells Stern that he has changed his mind about the priest and he is to be interrogated. So why did that change his mind? Because he's a sociopath, King. <laughs> because he knows now that the guy knows that he might have a soft spot, or is she soiled by someone else now and he's not interested? Yes, I think that's it. That's lovely. Mm -hmm. So Hopkins and Stern get a couple people from the town to lie and say that they heard the priest confess as they're torturing him in the jail, right? Yes, because he doesn't, but they basically bully them into saying, being witnesses to it. Yeah, I heard him. Yeah, I heard him. Next, we see they are dragging the priest, along with a couple other witches. To for what, good measure. I thought Two it was more. a hanging tree, but because we see a tree with nooses. I guess it's ready just in case they need it. But actually, Hopkins is going to throw the priest and the two women into the moat. Tied up. Yes, tied up in the you know, customary way or whatever yes. he says. There's some special way to tie him up, I guess. And if they sink, then they are not witches. And sorry, you were telling the truth, but you're gone. Oops. <laughs> but if they float and swim, then they are witches and they will be hanged, Karen. <laughs> so here's your choice. You drown or you hang. Which would you pick? Neither is pleasant, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably drown. Really? I, I think I would him, I want to give him the fucking satisfaction. Well, there's that. <laughs> but I think I would probably hang. Drowning seems much more torturous to me. So one woman does drown. They're like, oops, sorry. She's yeah. innocent as yeah. they pull her back up out of the water. Hopkins says the other two swim so they have the mark of Satan upon them. They must be hanged. The oldest woman drowns, yeah. The priest does say, God forgive you, Matthew Hopkins. He does. But now they hang from the tree. Yeah, there you go. 
They get nine guineas. Yep. Hopkins gets his bag of silver and he leaves. Next, we cut back to Marshall and he meets a man to get some horses. Yeah, they need a dozen horses. I guess he asks the man if he has any news from his hometown or whatever. And the man tells him about the priest and the two women being hanged in Brandiston. That's where it is. Brandiston. He says, do they have any horses there? You know, he's asking around where there might be horses. And he said, well, not there because they've got something else going on. And he spills the beans. So Marshall rides there to see Sarah. Because he said two women and a priest. So he doesn't know if it's Sarah or not. He knows who the priest is. He gets there and Sarah kind of runs away from him, runs into the church and she collapses. And then we next scene we cut and she's telling Marshall the whole story about what happened. Yeah, she tells him the whole truth. So then Marshall conducts his own little wedding ceremony right there in the church with witch painted on the walls and things like that. And things are a little disheveled, Karen. They're... Yes, the but they, they have their little marriage ceremony. But he also swears to pursue the murderers because they must answer dearly for their sins. He so does. he he makes an oath that he's going to kill these guys. He does. So then Marshall gives Sarah some money and tells her to go to another town and that he will come for her there. Then we have a montage of Marshall riding through the countrysides. He does say he loves her very much when he leaves. Yes, there is a montage and a pretty silhouette on sunset, then more traveling. Because he's looking for these two men. He has abandoned his duties as a soldier. Yeah, he is AWOL. He's on revenge tour. And he stops and asks a shepherd if he knows the whereabouts of Hopkins and Stern. Shepherd says, yes, they are in the next village about four miles away. Hey, Greg, you hear that? You know what that means. Krampus is coming. Uh-oh. Have you been naughty? Always, Karen. <laughs> Duh. But I'm feeling kind of nice today. Ooh. I'm thinking we should do a giveaway to celebrate the Krampus season. You're so smart. What should we reward our listener with? We've got two amazing prizes to give away, Karen. Amazing, you say. What are yes. they? The book, The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas, Roots and Rebirth of the Folkloric Devil by Al Ridenauer. And wait, there's more. Of course there is. A signed hardcover copy of Rock Tales, an amped up spin on mixology by Kristen Kreft and Maya Banatwala. These are amazing prizes. How can you win one of these amazing prizes, Greg? Just email us your address and name to info at scaryspirits.com <laughs> and put contest in the subject line. So we'll pick from everyone who enters by emailing their name and address to info at scaryspirits.com and puts contest in the subject line. Yep. Just enter by December 15th. You know, either of these would make a great holiday gift. So enter today. Yes. Again, we're at the pu- a different pub. And Marshall meets Stern just by Ink. Yeah, he tells him he's looking for Hopkins. But when he finds out, they fight. Poorly. And it's the bartender silly. hits Marshall over to Ed. 
Must be one of them stinking loyalists, Karen. <laughs> Royalists? Royalist, yeah. whatever. Or he just doesn't want to be accused of being a witch. That's true. And just is trying to, you know, make sure he stays out, off the gallow. <laughs> and the bartender tries to take Marshall to the magistrate, but he hits him in the gut and gets away. Yeah, Stern got away, gets on a horse, rides away when the bartender barkeep hits Richard. But Richard gets away from the barkeep who's trying to take him for justice and gets on his horse. Yeah, he chases after Stern. Yes, big chase scene. Stern meets up with Hopkins and warns him about Marshall. Yeah, he drags him off into the woods, off the path. They decide they must kill Marshall before he kills them. Next, we cut to um, Marshall being well, this scolded is, by his commanding officer, I guess. before Right before that, you, Matthew Hopkins does say, we have the power. All we have to do is get him accused of being a witch and we can take care of him. So we'll kill him first before he kills us. But they're going to use their power that they have but yeah now richard's been called to the carpet he's in the officer's tent <laughs> and he's warned against desertion by his commanding officer even though his commanding officer knows he's going to do it again well because he knows the story he told yeah, him he the knows. whole story he but he says he's not going to punish him now because one they need every man they can get and he's a good soldier and two he did save his life That's so true. he said but he said if you do it again he will be punished, knowing he's going to do it again. Next, we see Hopkins and Stern meeting Marshall's comrades there on the road, and they try to take their horses. The parliamentarians try to take Hopkins and Stern's horses. Correct. Then Hopkins says his horse is not for sale. So they resist, but they do take Stern, capture yeah, they... him, and Hopkins... Runs away or rides away and takes off, leaves his body. And he shoots one of the man's horses that, from under them as he's being chased. Yes. So they've captured Stern. Stern admits the other guy was Hopkins and they were partners in extermination. Then he ends up stabbing like one of the guys who's like holding him. I think Stern, it looks like he tries to, or he slits his throat, but that guy dramatically overacts. He's on the ground, just rolling around forever. So maybe he didn't slit his throat. Yeah. Stern runs away, and the other guy shoots him. So Stern is shot in the shoulder in the process, but he does get away. Yes, and I said the blood's a little better here. And we see him leaning up against a tree, and he digs the bullet out of his arm with his little ice picky thing. Yes. <laughs> but he's not happy with Mr. Yeah, Hopkins. Here's, here's what I wrote. Stern does not seem very pleased with Hopkins. <laughs> no, there's an issue here. <laughs> Next we see Hopkins. He's in the other town. Yeah, he's got a new town. Looking at his, you know, his dwellings while he's there, I guess from the innkeeper. And apparently innkeeper has accused three women, two young and one old, Karen. Yep. So Hopkins asks that the young girls be brought to him that night because, you know, they need more interrogation than the old Yeah, ones. he says the old ones are sensible. The, old, the young ones are the ones who require time. So next we see Cromwell with the 
men, I guess, following a victory in their eating, having a celebratory feast. Karen. All right. So Oliver Cromwell. Yes. Lieutenant General Oliver Cromwell was a parliamentary commander during the British Civil Wars and later became Lord Protector, which is just basically head of state. Hmm. He was a natural cavalry leader, and he played a vital role in Parliament's victories at the battles of Marston Moor and Nasenby before leading successful campaigns in Ireland and Scotland. Apparently, he's a very controversial figure. People either love him or hate him, but he was a very good soldier. But yes, they're eating with him, an outdoor dinner. And Cromwell promotes Marshall and gives him a mission. Yeah, he's, he's to take two men and find the king. He tells him where the king is seen and he's to go find him. Yeah, the king's trying to flee the country. Running away, run away, run away. <laughs> and he is promoted to captain. Next, we see Stern buying a horse. Man selling the horse tells him where Hopkins is. Then we cut to, I wrote, White Cliffs of Dover, question mark, Karen. And this is where we learn that apparently the king has escaped to Spain on a boat, rode his way to Spain or something. Oh, I thought he was trying to get to France. Or France. I don't know what it is, but is that the White Cliffs of Dover? I don't know, but it's a little rowboat and to think that that boat could get across the But there water are big to... white cliffs. That's what I'm asking. I don't know. All right. I just noticed it was like the ocean. Like oh, the ocean. Yeah, he, he bought a rowboat or rented a rowboat or but something look, like it's, that. He's in a small boat. You couldn't, I don't, maybe it's the channel or yeah, something. The channel. I don't, but still, it was pretty rough water. I wouldn't want to be going in that boat. But they're pissed because they're saying didn't you even think that you should report this and the guy with the boat said i didn't even know there was a war until you told me (laughs) i don't know if he was being sarcastic or not that is the white cliffs of dover karen that's where they are excellent it is in england on the english coastline facing the strait of dover and france there you go well at least they're geographically accurate i pulled up a picture and it looks just like the background in the film. So it's got to be the White Cliffs of Dover. You crushed it again. But France, yeah, France. And Marshall learns that they are burning witches at the town where Sarah is located right now. Yeah, Lebanon or something like that? Levenham. Levenham, okay. So he's like, well, yeah. So the 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 guy in the boat tells him (laughs) that. Yeah, so he has heads to Levenham. And next we are in Levenham, Karen, and we see Hopkins torturing women. And he's burning them. He is torturing them. And then he says before when the when he's in his room, when the innkeeper comes up, he says, I've come up with a new extermination technique or something. And he says to the innkeeper, you're going to help me perform it, which makes the innkeeper extremely happy. Yes. And then... It's pretty, this is a very brutal scene, I thought. Because what they do is they take the witch, tie her to a ladder. The woman, you mean here, the woman? Yes, the woman. (laughs) I said witch, the accused woman. Okay. Whose husband or lover is watching this whole thing and men are holding Very distraught, yes. As you would be. They tie her to a ladder and then push her up against, is it a gallow? Maybe. I don't know. 
And I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to build a pyre around. I did too. That's what I thought they were going to do. But But it's even more brutal than that. So the ladder has at the top of each side of it has ropes on it. She's tied to the ladder and the men lower her face first into this fire. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it was brutal. It's it's just like what Darth Vader does to Han Solo in The Empire Strikes Back, Karen. <laughs> well, it's not quite a fire. He just uh, being tortured. He's being burned. He's being stung and things, but he lowers him down into this probably where Maybe. George Lucas stole it from. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, but she only gets about halfway there and then she is engulfed in flames, right? Yeah, like she had uh, lighter fluid on her dress or something. Oh, the wind was wind was blowing towards her, I guess. And the flames just like still. But when you think about her, it, but... that this person was real, that this probably happened. Oh yeah, hundreds of times, Karen, probably. Um, so she gone, and Sarah. We see Sarah there, and she's watching from the window. And then Stern arrives. Yeah, he's pissed. Yep, Hopkins is paid in silver, and then Stern confronts Hopkins. And Hopkins is, you know. Smooth talker. Yeah, says, I even kept your part of the money. Here you go. I gave you the (laughs) opportunity to escape, he says. Then they see Sarah in the street as they're walking. And then they know that Marshall is on his way. He's either there already or he'll be there because she wouldn't be there if he wasn't going to be there. right. And they develop a plan to charge Sarah and Marshall with witchcraft. So let's, I mean, I don't know. They're going to stay there until Marshall arrives. Either. Yeah. So he sends out Stern to ask people, is he there already? And if not, that they'll just hang out until he shows up because they know he will. So I didn't realize that this Matthew Hopkins was a real dude. It is a real dude. He is. He was born in 1620. Yes. This is what Wikipedia says. He was an English serial killer Mm. whose career flourished during the English Civil War. He claimed to hold the office of Witchfinder General, although the title was never bestowed by Parliament. And he was mainly active in East Mm -hmm. East Anglia. His career as a witchfinder began in March 1644 and lasted until his retirement in 1647. So only three years. But... He and his associates were responsible for more people being hanged for witchcraft than in the previous hundred years and were solely responsible for the increase in witch trials during those years. He is believed to have been responsible for the executions of over a hundred alleged witches between the years of 1644 and 1646. I read 200, but yeah, Wikipedia does say uh, 100. Hopkins and his colleague John Stern sent more accused people to the gallows than all the other witch hunters in England of the previous 160 years. Yeah. So I I was pissed. <laughs> he was a real dude. Yeah, he was. I didn't know that watching it. I should have, but I didn't. This film is based on a highly fictionalized account of the life of Matthew Hopkins or whatever. So did he write the book, The Discovery of Witches? It does say Hopkins' witch hunting methods were outlined in his book, The Discovery of Witches, which was published in 1647. These practices were recommended in law books, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And during the year following the publication of his book, 
trials and executions for witchcraft began in New England colonies with the hanging of Alice Young of Windsor, Connecticut in 1647. Not a good man. Well, he was doing the Lord's work, Karen. <laughs> so he says. He's trying to defeat Satan. Satan can't be defeated. Has no one, no one has Why would you want yet. to defeat Satan? He ain't a bad dude. He's not. We've talked about that. He just punishes the bad dudes. <laughs> right? But anyway, Marshall arrives. That's just his job. Yeah, yes. Just doing his job. Marshall arrives. Stern finds out and tells Hopkins. Hopkins, Stern, and the local magistrate accuse Marshall and Sarah of being witches. Because they, Stern says, Marshall will never confess. And Hopkins says he will if we accuse both of them and use the girl as leverage. So they have a plan. They're going to torture the girl until Richard confesses. But Marshall vows to kill Hopkins. That's all he has to say. I have to, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and Richard has his buddies there with him. He does, but we not should... not when he's captured or anything, but they're no, in the but, town. Well, because he they leave him with Sarah because they have greetings to accomplish. Sarah greetings. And greetings. greetings. Okay. They haven't seen each other in a what while. We're calling them greetings. So his yeah. friends go to the tavern and say, Okay, we'll see you later. Yeah. They get they get reacquainted, Greg. Okay. So as they're taking Marshall and Sarah down the stairs there. They are confronted by the husband or boyfriend or whatever of the woman who was burned. And he's got a knife, but Hopkins has a gun. So she, he shoots him. He go. Well, I Which thought he was going. Sort of. But that's like another f film with, isn't that with, uh, is that Indiana Jones where the guy has the knives and he's doing mm -hmm. all, and then he shoot the other guy shoots him. Yeah, but yeah, but this this guy's not like you know being fancy like twirling knives and shit. He's just no, he's just got a knife. I don't understand why. So flintlock, you get one shot. So once you shoot your shot, you no longer have a firearm. So I don't, I kind of wonder this whole time why. Okay, you're out of bull. You're out of bullets, dude. <laughs> right. You can't reload them. It's not that it's a very like complicated process, <laughs> I believe. You know, it's like a muzzle loader. You got to, you know, put the bullet in the barrel and ram it down. It's like a smaller, you know, muzzle loader kind of well, thing. He's, well, he's got people with him. So he just shoots this guy and says he must be a royal. <laughs> yes. And everybody goes, oh, and then walks out. And he's bleeding the pink. Oh, it's bright red, but... Maybe it's my screen. It looked pink to me, it's but it's red. bad blood. And then he's got two witches walking. So he's escorting them out. Yeah. So next, uh, Marshall, Marshall's men find the man that Hopkins shot. Right. Mm -hmm. And he tells them that Marshall and Sarah are being taken to the castle to be interrogated. Where the confessions are be being conducted. Yes. And they know what that means. They are familiar with how, because they've right. talked to Richard, so they know. Next, we cut to the castle, and Stern is stabbing Sarah in the back with the ice pick, looking for the devil's mark, right? Yes, her bare back. They Trying to get Marshall to confess, and he refuses. I don't know. I mean, if someone was torturing someone I loved. No, I'm... no, no. You don't confess. No. <laughs> 
Well, you aren't even going to help your relatives. I don't want to talk to you about it. You would run away. I thought it would have been a hard thing for him, but he doesn't. He keeps smiling and just says, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, he's just waiting. He's just biding his time, waiting for his chance, waiting for his opening. Are you ready to confess? And well, when he goes, when Hopkins like has this like cross brand thing, right? It's going to brand Sarah with the cross. And Marshall still refuses to confess. And instead, he says, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Yes, I shall kill you. And he does say this is another it was just interesting thing that they would do. He's going to brand her with the cross. And if she faints or cries out, that means that Satan is sparing her the agony. And he will show mercy if Richard confesses. But all Richard says is, I shall kill you. Next, we see um, Marshall's buddies. They're gaining access to the castle and take out the guard. Yeah. So Hopkins says to Stern, go see what's going on, right? I'm, this is all very flashing back to like Empire yes. Strikes Back with me for yes. some reason all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so then the magistrate goes to stop Marshall's men. Oh, they sorry. Struggle. I said Stern. It was the magistrate. You're correct. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they struggle and fight. Marshall's buddies kill the magistrate. So somehow Marshall like kicks Stern and then breaks free of his chains or something. Well, they let I him out. I don't understand how this They happened. let him down because Hopkins wants Richard to kneel and watch his ah, wife right. be tortured. That's right. So they take that. him off the wall, which is a fatal mistake. Because, yeah. <laughs> he's out of his containment. What would you call it? The shackles. Yeah. He, he gets out of those. Yeah. So he... Kick Stern in the face and like pops his, his eye, eye or out something. or something. Yeah. Something happened there. Then he grabs an axe and starts hacking at Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. He's lost his ever loving mind. He's going to town on this dude, chopping yeah. him to bits. Yeah. As he should. <laughs> his buddies arrive in time to see the carnage. And one of them shoots Hopkins in the head with his flintlock and so he gone to put him out of his misery. Yeah, and Marshall ain't happy. No, <laughs> you took him from me. He's got blood splattered all over him. And you took him from me. And then we have Sarah screaming over and over and over and over. So why is she screaming? The end. Is she screaming because of the trauma or because she realizes her husband has lost his ever loving mind? What's she screaming about? I thought it was a trauma. Because it's not like they get back together and hug at the end. She just well, screaming. we don't know. Well, they didn't show it, is what I'm no, saying. That's the end, and there's credits. And I mean, he was chopping him up. Let me, let me finish it for you. Then Sarah and Marshall embrace. <laughs> okay, there you go. And Sarah gets proper medical attention, and they live happily ever after. Happily ever after. So I have a question. Go on. Is this a horror film? I don't know. I don't know that it is. I wonder the same. It's almost just a horrific. It's horrific, but it's like a horrific biography. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I kind. I tried to come up with a better word than a horrific biography, or a, unless it falls under or something, but folk horror again, which it could because it does have a lot of. There's not a ton well, of folk horror, but Wikipedia it, calls it a period horror film. So I'm not sure I call it a horror film. I mean, there were times where they when they burned the girl. It's almost like they, a 
thriller or an action adventure film or something. You know, there's not much difference between this and like Robin Hood. You know what I mean? Well, but there are horror elements in it. There are bodies burning alive and Richard is hacking him to death at the end. (laughs) And they are killing innocent people in horrible uh, ways maybe, but that maybe happened. they are maybe they aren't I don't know. well the one woman drowned she is <laughs> she was <laughs> oh yeah that's right she was innocent sorry and she was with child too <laughs> well she tried to say she was with child but they made fun of her because she was as old as me you didn't believe her i don't know it was just an interesting um it definitely had horror elements in it but I didn't get the feel it was a it was like a fictional history because presumably these things happened. I mean, you could find information about, you know, looking for the devil's mark and the pricking and mm-hmm. all that stuff happened. Historical fiction is what I would call it. Yeah, I would agree. But it was horrific. So I don't know if when you think about the power that someone would have and how easily you could get your neighbors killed i mean for 68 i bet it was kind of bloody but i, I don't know. true there was a fair amount of blood in it but a war film would have just as much blood a war film would have all this kind of yeah at the time it was thought to be exploiting violence anything you really enjoyed in this film karen um i really like the story history like that does interest me even though it horrifies me. I thought Vincent Price was good. He was. I hated I hated his hairdo, but he was good. <laughs> I hate yeah. that hairdo. It I don't was know. Period. It was period. I know, but I just hate that hairdo. I thought Richard was handsome. That always helps. I didn't think I didn't think Sarah was very pretty, but that doesn't matter. The acting was fine. It taught me some things, which I always like. I like to learn a little bit. What about you? What did you like? I thought Sarah was lovely. (laughs) She was pretty. I think this was her first film because the poster says, and introducing. The special effect. I thought the people looked like they were hung. I thought, besides that the woman went up like a matchstick, I thought the burning scene was pretty good too, special effects wise, you know? So you liked Sarah? Did you like anything else? She passed away in 2020. Aw. Of course, Vincent Price was good. His voice is just menacing. And I don't know if it's because of the kind of movies he's been in, but you know how I said Peter Cushing has that calming effect? You know, you feel safe and calm. Vincent Price, man, if he shows up, you know shit's about to hit the fan. Like, he just makes you feel on edge, don't you think? Yeah. And this, she was the one, remember when we did the Oblong Box? She was in that too. The girl played Sarah. And she's the one who said that I played his mistress, his daughter, and his wife. (laughs) And he said, if you ever play my my mother, I'll marry you. (laughs) (laughs) So I like the story. I feel like George Lucas stole a lot from it, which only became apparent as I was talking about it. (laughs) I get flashing back to... It's interesting. Empire Strikes Back. But uh, all the acting was good, I thought. The guy I played, Richard Marshall, was 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 very handsome. That helped. Nothing special. I really liked. Music was pretty good. Yeah, music was all right. Sets were good. And actually, I read that the guy who did the um, score for it, 
shockingly, he died of an OD too. They were all friends. So, yeah. That's why it kind of reminded me of a Hammer film. The sets were good. The costumes were good. The acting was good-ish. It just it just looked like a Hammer film. Yeah, it did. The blood is better in Hammer than it was in this, though. But the blood in Hammer is still bad. Yeah, but it wasn't as bad. it's not as bad as this is. No, which brings us to what I didn't like, and I did not like yeah. Right. The so blood. You did not like the, the blood. Anything else no. you did not like, Karen? I was trying to think about that, and I don't really think so. I think it was pretty good. Some of the montages were a little long when he's racing to places, traveling. But why whatever. didn't why didn't like Marshall and all of his buddies just hang out, you know, in a upper floor of a building somewhere, looking out the window and wait for these dudes to walk out in the street and shoot them? They're military. They had snipers. I guess. <laughs> they did. They were military, though, so they had jobs to do. They weren't supposed to be there. They, they were weren't. supposed to be. But while you're dealing, there. I know, but they're You might as well AWOL. use your military training to help your buddy. Yeah, but they're AWOL, so it probably wouldn't have been. But you think it wouldn't have been great to kill him, but it'd be better that way than hack him into 100 pieces. So I don't know. Yeah, and that's not how he died, the real dude, either way. So fictitious. What what, what do they call that? Artistic, what do they call it, Karen? Artistic license. And artistic license, yes. He actually died of um yeah, tuberculosis. Probably of tuberculosis, they say. Well, that's not near as exciting. Anything else you didn't like? Anything really grind your gears, Karen? No, <laughs> not really. Except that I found out that these were real people. That kind of pissed me off. I but... want to know what. So who is the king? Richard? Charles, I think. Charles, Charles the first. Was it? Yeah. What was the deal with Charles the first? <laughs> well, he was the last one holding on to the divine privileges, I guess. But was divine he, was he an asshole? Was he like, did he mistreat his subjects or something? Why were there a civil? Why was there a civil war? Do you know, Karen? I do more, not. I history. assume I assume that the people got pissed off. It might not have been him. It could have been his predecessors. Probably it had something to do with religion, too. Well, he did it, marry a French Roman Catholic, and Parliament didn't like that much. But apparently he tried to dissolve Parliament. Yeah, that'll do it, too. But yeah. a lot of times they tried to just say, this is the only religion. England had a big problem with that the royals deciding what religion everybody had to be and that always gets you in trouble. But yeah, there was always big Protestant Catholic wars. So really all comes down to religion, Karen. Usually does. Religion, the root of all evil. And most wars. All right. What kind of cocktail rating you want to give this film, Karen? I think it's a three. Three, three cocktails. I enjoyed it. Did you think it was as good as Dr. Craig said it was? I probably missed a lot of what Dr. Craig took from it because he knows so much about horror films that I'm We're sure not I'm... even sure this is a horror film. But it's in the book that we bought extensively. <laughs> so a lot of people consider it horror. I suppose. Three cocktails. I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. Yeah, it if was it... good. If it came on and, you know, I, I would sit down and I would watch it again. But I wouldn't call it horror. You know what I mean? It's Well, that's But the it's thing. good. 
I'm on the fence about that. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. I would watch it again. What do you think of uh, the Witch's Brew cocktail, Karen? I like it. Do you? But of course I would because it's got mixer in it. I'm at the very silvery bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't kill me, Karen. I don't know about ingesting all this metal. <laughs> well, let me know what happens. I assume it's safe, right? If you bought the edible kind. Oh, edible? <laughs> <laughs> I bought cake shimmer. That's all I bought. So, well, I hope that's edible or we're in trouble. Tastes good. I don't think we talked about it, but I, it tastes like grape to me. It does taste like grape. And there and is I, no grape in it. And we're trying to figure out if that's because it's purple and we tastes expect like it to taste like grape or mixing raspberry with vodka and lime juice. And lime juice makes grape flavors. Yeah. I don't know, but it is grapey. It is grape. <laughs> and artificial grapey, kind of. It's like grape Kool-Aid. Yeah. Delicious. And fancy. I would definitely serve this at my Halloween party. I bet right. you could make it as a punch. You I know, bet you could. in a big bowl and that would look cool. Just pour a big fifth of vodka in there and Yeah. Well, it would look pretty. Fifth of raspberry and shimmering in the bowl. Two drops of purple food coloring. <laughs> <laughs> a little goes a long way, I feel, Karen. Agreed. All right. Anything we learned today? We learned about the English Civil War. We did. We learned about Matthew Hopkins. We did. We learned about pricking, which they used to yep. discern whether you were a witch. We learned about Cromwell a little tiny bit. Learned a little about flintlocks. Yes. As opposed to matchlocks. All right. Anything else we learned? I think so. All right, Karen. Is next week my choice, Karen? It is. What do you got for us, Greg? I'm going to do something different. Uh-oh. I'm afraid. <laughs> be afraid, Karen. Be very afraid. What is it? film I have chosen is The Phantom of the Opera from 1925, Karen. Oh. Which is, is a silent? silent film. Oh, it is silent. So this will be our first silent film. Okay. Would you like to know why I chose it, Karen? Yes, Greg. Why did you choose that film? I'm sure it has a connection because yes. it always does. Phantom of the Opera was released on November 15th, 1925, Karen. Our next episode, Karen, comes out November 16th, the day after the 97th anniversary of Phantom of the Opera, the most famous one being released excellent starring what, lon cheney what better way to celebrate yes than to have our first on. silent film possibly our last i do have a cocktail karen excellent what's that cocktail is called the red death halloween cocktail okay interesting choice how do you make that well we're gonna or need... why did you choose it have you ever seen Fan of the Opera, Karen? I have not. Oh, well, I'm not going to run it for you then. But I assume it's in black and white. It mostly is. Oh, okay. Yeah, there are some editions where you can watch it and like the second half of the film, the second reel or something is in color. 
And that just happens to be the part where the Phantom arrives in his Red Death costume based on Edgar Allan Poe's Um, Mask of the Red Death or some shit. I don't know. Okay, cool. How do you make it? So we're going to need Coca-Cola, grenadine, rum, maraschino cherries, a toothpick, and (laughs) raspberry liqueur, Karen. Interesting. Okay. It's, It's a layering drink. Oh, crap. All right. Do you want me to tell you how to make it now? Sure. Maybe I should, because the first instruction is chill all ingredients in the refrigerator prior to layering. Apparently, it makes it easier if all your ingredients are chilled, which could be important. Okay. Measure and add one and a half tablespoons of grenadine on the bottom of a glass. Then we're going to put one ounce raspberry liqueur. And using the back of the spoon, Karen, layer it on top of the grenadine. Then we're going to repeat with the rum, which is one and a half ounces, and the Coke, which is five ounces. Is the rum light rum? It doesn't say dark rum or nope. anything. So light. It's Bacardi Superior Rum is what the recipe says. All right. Okay. So that's it. And you garnish with a maraschino cherry, two maraschino cherries on a cocktail. Excellent. Red Death Halloween cocktail. Sounds enticing. Speaking of Halloween, Karen, how was your <laughs> Halloween? Well, it did was you, excellent. Get lots of trick or treaters, did you? We get no trick or treaters. I'm no always one blown wants by to that. Walk up your long driveway. No. How many that's, did you get? That's too bad. Ah, uh, you know the usual. The usual. Greg hands out full size candy bars, so kids come back more than once. They try to. The older you get, the more of them get by, I bet. I don't know. I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty observant, Karen. <laughs> I even tell them, come back, come back like at nine o'clock. You know, I don't want to run out, which I never do. But you never know. Can you buy it far in advance so you don't eat it all? Did you eat it all before the big day? No, I do not no. eat you are the very, big day. You're disciplined. <laughs> I am disciplined. I stretched that shit out to Thanksgiving, probably, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and how are you surviving daylight savings time, Karen? Are you okay? (laughs) It does change for photography, (laughs) so it does make a difference, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. We have to change things up. I hate it. (laughs) Meet a lot earlier in the day. (laughs) Makes no sense. I thought there were rumblings. If I were were king of of the world, Karen... If you were the divine king, (laughs) selected by God to be king, you would change it. Yes, if I had the divine power, Karen. I'm sure there are many things you would do. Eh, Probably not. Anyone you need to thank, Karen? Well, as always, I'd like to thank our listener if they're still there. Lots of history today. There's a lot of podcasts out there. Thanks for spending time with us. What about you, Greg? Who do you need to thank? Well, once again, I'm going to thank the great state of Texas. Excellent. And the band Verse 13 for providing all of the music in the Scary Spirits podcast. The music does make the podcast better. Anything else, Karen? Please drink responsibly. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Scary Spirits podcast, where the movies might be iffy, but the drinks are always solid. We would love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Scary Spirits Podcast. 
or go to our website, scaryspirits.com. And if you want the direct line, email us at info at scaryspirits.com. If you really want to help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, always drink responsibly. See you next week. Thank you.